But I've never been to Africa before today. So this is a dream. <laughs> it's a dream. And eight weeks ago, I had no idea I would be here. We were going to be on a different mission trip in a different part of the world. And through a series of events, we're here. So I'm so thankful to be here. Today we are going to talk about discipleship, and I wanted to talk a little bit about Dwight. Pastor Dwight became the pastor of the church that I was a member of, a four-square church in Durango, Colorado. Thirteen years ago. And it was my first year in full-time ministry. And as we would meet and get coffee and talk together, something I came to love about Pastor Dwight was that he was a launcher. He always would pour into me and say, go do it. So discipleship, you'll come to find out this weekend. It isn't just something that you receive, but it's something that you launch out to. And this is something I learned from Pastor Dwight. In so many parts of my life, he, he's been a mentor to me. In my marriage, in my parenting, my wife and I are beginning an adoption process now. We, we have other children already of our own. But we're following Dwight's example in that. And you might not remember this, but about five years ago, you said, Nate, you should get your PhD. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> we were at Fort Lewis College in Durango. We were at a college in Durango. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to give Dwight as an example of somebody that's invested his life in mine. But then launched me out to invest my life in others. Yeah. That's discipleship. All right, this morning I want you to turn to Matthew 28. Pastor Dwight just read from there. You might already be there. And we're going to read again 18 through 20. As you turn there, I wanted to start with, with a couple verses. So turn to Matthew 28, but listen as I share briefly. In 1 Corinthians 3 9, we are told about the privilege that we have as believers. 
of co-laboring with Christ. Okay. This is a privilege each of you have. When we read about making disciples, this is a command, but it is also a privilege. This is a great joy. There's a young man that just became a Christian in, in, in the United States a few weeks ago after we shared with him. I've begun doing discipleship with this man. And as I'm doing discipleship with him, I've brought in another man that I'm also discipling to be a part of the process. And I said, look, we'll be in Uganda. I need you to disciple this young man while we're gone. So this young disciple is discipling a brand new Christian while we're here. This is a privilege for him. It's been, it is a privilege for me. And you have the privilege of making disciples. Alright, now I want to tell you something else before we get to Matthew 28, 18-20. I told you that it's always been a dream to be in Africa. It's a privilege, it's a privilege to be encouraged by your faith. In Romans, Paul told the Romans that he longed to see them to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. As I teach about discipleship, I hope I will be an encouragement to you. But you can know with certainty that you are an encouragement to me. Last night we talked to a young African man on the airplane. He was flying to America. I said, for many years, Americans have sent missionaries to Africa. But I said, America needs missionaries now to come from Africa. Thank you for your encouragement to us this week. Okay, let's get into Matthew 28, 18, 18 through 20. Why don't you just read it? Yes, Okay, Jesus gives us a protocol here for disciple making. This is very different than what the American church has done for many years. The American model has been try to have big, big programs. Try to have lots of attendance. 
But we've not made disciples. So we've lost our influence. And we are not reaching the country or the world for Jesus. Discipleship involves something called spiritual multiplication. I want to illustrate this for you. Alright. So I need a volunteer. Okay. Who is it? You? What's your name? Henry? David. Okay. Come here. Okay, so David, if I said David, I want you to reach everyone in this room. You're going to reach that by just giving him a high five. Okay, start. Let's see how long it takes. Every single person. This is going to take forever, huh? Okay, we'll stop. David, David you can stop because this would take very, very long time to reach everyone. Now, I'm going to ask you guys to do something a little different now. We'll still start with David. Okay. David is going to high five you. What's your name again? Okay, he'll high five you. And then both of you high five somebody else, and then both of you others and others and others. So as soon as somebody as soon as somebody touches you, you turn around and touch somebody. Okay. David on this side. David. So as soon as you get a high five, you turn around and get the water. I keep going. Okay, do you see how quickly we're reaching everyone? Do you see this example? Okay, this is what we call spiritual multiplication. Okay, what just happened? If one person tries to do it all alone, you'll reach some. He might grow a big church over many, many years. But if he can make disciples who can do the same, he can teach them to do the same. He can be reached quickly. Dwight talked about the 12 that Jesus sent out, including Paul. Within their lifetimes, they reached more than 30% of the world because they did this. Today, Christians have reached about 30% of the world. In other words, we've not been much more effective since then as they were in that first century. It, it is time to come back to making disciples. If you will make disciples, you can be sure that your life will have an impact for God. A great impact for God. And someday when you die, 
There will be people around the world making disciples because you disciple them. Your impact will not end when you're dead. Multiply and multiply and multiply. In fact, you are here today because of a series of people that were impacted by Jesus' disciples. And now the challenge for us is to multiply forward. So when I'm done speaking, I'm going to ask you for a decision. So as I talk, I want you to prepare your heart to make a decision. Because I will ask you to make a decision. Alright, there are three points that I want to talk about. They're in your notebooks on page two. The three points are God's plan. God's protocol and God's promise. Now as we think about this incredible plan and this incredible protocol and this incredible promise, I want you to, to, to say something with me first. Say, I don't have what it takes. You do not have what it takes. Okay. But the Holy Spirit in you does. Alright, the point is, is this is difficult. You'll look at this and say, I can't do this. I'm not sufficient to make disciples. You're right. But the Holy Spirit in you is sufficient. So, as we speak, don't think I can't do that. Think I can't do that. But he can. But he can. So I will obey. Okay, so God's plan. And in this passage, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me, therefore you go. The idea of discipleship is his plan. This is the way that he chose to reach the world. It is his plan, he is our Lord, and we are to follow him in his plan. He is the leader. I've studied a lot of leadership, and I make you a promise. There's only one real leader. And it's Jesus. The best leader you will ever be is when you are a follower of Jesus. And when you follow Jesus and say, follow me as I follow him. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. 
Jesus is the leader. And we read that in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 5, Colossians 1. He is the head of his church. He is the leader and he has called us to make disciples. Now, the human way of growing a ministry might be different than God's way of growing a ministry. Do you remember what we read in Isaiah 55, 8-9? We read that God's ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God's way for you to be an effective leader for Him is to make disciples. This was what Jesus did in His ministry. In Luke 12, 1, there's a large crowd. Most of you pastors would say, wonderful, a large crowd came. And there's nothing wrong with a large crowd. But Jesus turned to his disciples. He was focused on those disciples. The crowds were good. It was a part. It was a part of his ministry. But his first focus was discipling. So let's read about God's protocol. And it's discipleship. I'll share some leadership principles throughout this week. And there's one leadership principle called the strategic plan. This is where you determine a vision-oriented direction for your ministry. In the leadership literature, it's very important. I want to tell you this. Discipleship is Jesus' strategic plan. He says, go and make disciples. So let's look at the, the Gospels just briefly. Okay, in Matthew, Jesus' ministry starts around chapter 4, right? After his ministry starts, his disciples are either mentioned or he was teaching to them in every chapter in Matthew except for one. In this one chapter, he was debating with the Pharisees. In Mark, every single chapter, except for one, mentions the disciples. Okay. The one that does it talks about the women who were also followers. And Joseph, who was a secret follower, 
preparing his body for burial. But look at Luke. After his ministry begins in Luke, all but one chapter again in the whole book talks about his disciples. And John, it's all but two. What I want you to get is if you read about Jesus' ministry, you see discipleship, 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 discipleship. This is the protocol that we read of. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about how Jesus did discipleship. In the culture that Jesus lived in, the rabbis of that time made disciples. And there were some principles of what Jesus did that was similar to how they did discipleship. But I'm going to start with one where he was 100% different. In that culture, the rabbi would wait for someone to come and say, can I be your disciple? What did Jesus do? He said, will you be my disciple? Jesus took the initiative to find those to disciple. When he tells us, go and make disciples, he's commanding us to take the initiative to make disciples. We don't wait in the church for disciples to come to us. We say, I'm looking. <laughs> I want to make disciples. Once I was in California, very busy, I had a lot of work on the computer I had to do. So I went to a coffee shop and I was working on the computer. And uh, I kept having problems with my computer. And the only option was for me to go to another man and say, can I sit next to you where I can plug in my computer? He said, sure. As we began speaking, I found out he was a young believer. He, he was from China, studying in America, had never been discipled, and the Mormons had begun speaking to him. I put my I put my work aside and realized this is a time to make disciples. Right? Jesus' call to you is to follow his example, to take the initiative to make disciples. Every one of you, you mothers in here, 
You're called to make disciples. It's not just the pastors. Young men in here. You're called to make disciples. Children back here. You're called to make disciples. This is a call for all believers and you can follow Now there were other elements of how the rabbis discipled that Jesus used as well. If you're you're taking notes, write these down. They're important. Okay, first of all, when a a follower followed a rabbi, they were completely submitted to the rabbi. When you disciple someone, you do not disciple them to you. So Brandon is someone I have discipled for eight, nine years, something like that. Is Brandon my disciple? No, he's Jesus' disciple. So I want to encourage Brandon to be submitted to Jesus. Whenever I ask Brandon to make a decision, I will always tell him, do what Jesus says. He's the one you're following. When you disciple, you are discipling people to Jesus. And you are encouraging them to be submitted to Him. Another principle of discipleship was application. The entire life of the disciple involved applying the the, the rabbi's teaching. When you make disciples, you are called to help them apply God's word in every part of life. That that involves teaching them, but it also involves showing them your life. Brandon will talk later today about Paul and how he gave a life example of discipleship. Another important part of discipleship in Jesus' culture was relationships. Jesus spent time with the twelve. He lived with them. Ate with them. Did ministry with them. Sent them off to do ministry. Talked about it with them afterwards. There was a strong relationship with those he disciples. When you make disciples, it will be a life investment in them. 
You will be making a choice to pour your life into another This will take time. It will take energy. But it is worth it. For you pastors. Sometimes it might conflict with ministry. You might have sermons to prepare. Be diligent to prepare them. But be ready to invest time in people. Because that is discipleship. Okay, God's protocol is discipleship. So here's God's promise. Discipleship is not easy. I'm going to tell you uh, something that, that makes me very sad. Last year, in one year, two men that I had invested many, many years in, killed themselves. Um, it was not easy to hear that news. Right? And it makes you question, what did I do wrong? Or Does that make sense? I've had people that, that I, I've discipled that ended up becoming an atheist. I've, I've had one or two that ended up not wanting anything to do with me, almost uh, having a, a bad relationship. I can, this happened to Jesus, too. Do you remember Judas? When you're pouring your life into people, you may find there are incredible joys, but there are also some very, very deep hurts. When you're making disciples, you will find that it takes everything you have to give and much more. When you're making disciples, there's a promise. There's a promise that if you follow Jesus in 2 Timothy 3, we're, we're told you will be persecuted. I, I promise you that making disciples is wonderful but difficult. And that was no surprise to Jesus because he'd spent his ministry life doing that. So what promise does he conclude this passage with? I will be with you always till the very end. As you make disciples, you will face opposition, hardship, discouragement, are you going to stop making disciples? Will you stop? Will you believe this promise? 
Will you make disciples in his power? That's what you're called to. Now that's a wonderful promise. But I want to encourage you with something. I mean, another part of this promise that's wonderful. Do you remember the Levites in the Old Testament? What did they do? They are ministers, right? <laughs> the priests. Okay. When God gave all the tribes of Israel an inheritance, He didn't give the Levites an inheritance of land. Do you remember what inheritance He gave them? Himself. I, I promise you, as you make disciples in His power, you will experience Jesus in a way others never will. You cannot imagine the joy of seeing a young believer grow in their faith. And then, and then seeing that young believer help others do that. And then others do that. John, when you hear of ministries that, that you're investing in all over Africa, does that bring you joy? Amen. <laughs> Right? As you make disciples, you will experience incredible joy and closeness with Jesus. So like we said in the beginning, it's a privilege. Okay, so here's where I ask you to make a decision. I want you to make a decision, yes or no. Not maybe. Not maybe. Not later. But yes or no today. Will you be a disciple maker? Will you be a disciple maker? If so, stand up. Stand up right now and say, I will be a disciple maker. Guys, as you choose to be disciple makers, God will use you in great ways. As we continue sharing over the next couple days, we're going to give you some tools to help you make disciples. But this starts with a decision. And you just made it. John, do you see these people? <laughs> do you know what the word accountability means? <laughs> John, keep them accountable to making disciples. You can sit down now. He, John saw you and he'll keep you accountable. <laughs> so, as we conclude, Discipleship is God's plan. He said this is the way to reach the world. It's God's protocol. 
Jesus demonstrated pouring his life into individuals, equipping them to do the same, to do the same, to do the same. We call that spiritual multiplication. As we conclude, I want to tell you something about spiritual multiplication. How long do you think it would take to disciple the whole world for Jesus? Doing spiritual multiplication. Any ideas? I'll tell you. Starting with just one or two of us, the entire world could be discipled in 37 years. 37 years. How many of you are 37 or older? I barely, I'm 38. <laughs> so I make it. So in our lifetimes, in that amount of time, the whole world could have been reached by this process. I ask your forgiveness because my country has shown a bad model of ministry. It's not all wrong. But our focus has been on big. It's been on events. It's been on programs. There's nothing wrong with that step. But if it happens instead of discipleship, we completely missed it. Okay, so you're called to make disciples. This is, this is God's plan. It's God's protocol. And he, and he promised he'll be with you till the very end of You promised me that you're going to make disciples. And you, and you also said nothing would stop you. So when you get discouraged, when you run out of money, when, when people leave that you've poured your life into, do not stop. Because someone that you poured your life into is going to do it to someone else. And to someone else. And to someone else. And multiplication will continue. So I'm going to pray for you. Jesus. I thank you for this incredible body of believers here. And for their desire to make disciples. In your power. Jesus, I pray that you would give them a boldness. A conviction. To pour their lives into others. Who would pour their lives into others. Who would pour their lives into others. That would multiply. 
until you return Jesus. Jesus, empower them by your spirit. Encourage them to encourage each other. And make the Ugandan church an example to the rest of the world of discipleship. I pray that what you do through these believers right here would be something that believers from throughout the world would, would copy and emulate. Jesus, bless these people. Amen. Amen. So.